This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to Streetwise, the podcast extension of the Pitch in Kansas City. I am your host and the editor-in-chief of The Pitch, Mr. Brock Wilbur. How is everybody doing this week? Um, Kansas City, once again, has a women's soccer team, uh, which is very exciting, especially because uh, the Women's Soccer League in the United States basically started here. Uh, and then we didn't have a team for a while. Uh, we reacquired a team from Utah, uh, brought in a couple of very exciting players, including some people that used to play for us. Uh, and now we're a club again, and we uh, we played our first game uh, match uh, against Portland, uh, who is an excellent team. And near the end of that game, something spectacular happened, which I think sets the tone for us moving forward, uh, which is that there were some red cards. Uh, and if you don't know soccer, like I mostly don't know soccer, a uh, red card is a level of unsportsmanlike conduct that kicks somebody out of a game. You get the red card, you... You go, you go away. You don't just uh, stand on the sidelines. You go all the way back to the locker room. Uh, anyway, women's soccer is a particularly nice sport. Red cards rarely happen. In fact, the most red cards to have happened in a U.S. women's soccer game uh, ever is two. Two red cards in a game. Uh, near the end of this game, we racked up four. Uh, four were shared uh, across the teams, uh, including... Uh, the opposing team's coach for uh, his complaints about uh, a, a different red card. Uh, it all sort of happened at a period of about two minutes, uh, and then a brawl broke out. Uh, <laughs> so in our first game, back in the league and in the sport, Kansas City has established itself as like the Oakland Raiders of women's soccer, uh, which, um, all right, like, uh, let's do it. Let's... Let's be the scrappy, scrappy, just brutal team. I, I, I really like that we could be like, hey, what if there was a team in this league that just was straight up unpleasant and nice? Clearly, that is not the case. Clearly, we will have a great team full of wonderful people. But our, our introduction, uh, reintroduction to the sport was not the classiest. And I... I genuinely love it. I can't wait to see where we go from here. Anyway, we are currently uh, the Kansas City uh, Football Club. Uh, and as happens sometimes, you have a football club that just doesn't have a mascot. And I think that uh, women's soccer uh, has had an issue with uh, not needing a mascot for teams because up until a year or so ago, uh, there wasn't like official merch. Uh, there weren't merchandise par uh, partnerships. Uh, like there was this whole side of the sport that was sort of shut down uh, in terms of money making uh, that just it's bizarre to think of a professional sport where merchandising doesn't play into it. I don't know what to do with that. So like, yeah, in that world, uh, when we previously existed, we were the KCFC because didn't need any more than that. We had a color and that was fine. But now we are in a position to pick our own name. And uh, I think I have a proposition here. 
I think we should be the Kansas City Possums. Here's why. I know it sounds like it's not the best idea. Uh, there is a story, uh, a, uh, a true-ish tale uh, that has uh, popped up again recently, which is that uh, back at the founding of the city, uh, there was basically a group of six dudes in a room <laughs> that were in charge of picking the name and got to vote on it and decide. Uh, and, and somebody offered like Kansas City and uh, another guy in the room that was sort of drunk or whatever was like, yeah, that that's fine. It could be that or Toontown or Mars Planet or uh, I don't know, Possum Trot. Uh, and Possum Trot <laughs> gained a little bit of traction as the uh, urban legend here goes. So Kansas City was also named almost named Possum Trot, according to this story. And I think it would be an incredible, incredible lean in uh, for us to be the KC Possums, uh, just to be like, yeah, you know what? That drunk guy in the corner, that's us. And I think that that ties in well uh, to the sort of bar brawl atmosphere that we brought to our very first game. I don't know. Uh, we go with, with the Casey Possums. Uh, let me come out and, and sing a song before a game or something. I, I promise to absolutely butcher the national anthem. Anyway, we have a great show for you here today. Um, talking to Aaron Rhodes of Shuttlecock Magazine a little later in the show. We have Nick's Music Corner as always. First thing up today, though, we've got a read from our friend Jason at Stolen Dress Entertainment. Uh, he is doing a, uh, a piece from our latest magazine written by uh, our film editor, Abby. Uh, this is ahead of knowing that uh, 420 uh, is upon us, which is Earth Day and nothing else, celebrating the Earth. Uh, anyway, it's a, a whole rundown of uh, some great stoner movies and how to program a little stoner movie festival for you. It's called 420 to Yuma. And uh, Jason, take it away. 420 to Yuma. Planning a stoned movie marathon? Here's how to keep your chill. By Abby Olchesi. When it comes to great movies to watch while enjoying marijuana, there are a few different routes you could take. For Screenland Theater's Adam Roberts, the experience has taken a few different forms over time. His most recent bacon watch cinema preference, however, might seem unexpected. I've discovered Pixar films work quite well under any influence, Roberts says. At the end of every Pixar movie, you're going to be in tears, so it's like a light, soft hug of a film, and being a little high for that is nice. Missouri voted to legalize medical marijuana in 2018, and there are ongoing discussions about moving to legalize it recreationally. Dispensaries and companies producing edibles started opening in the metro area late last year. With a growing number of people having access to medical marijuana locally, in a growing number of forms, an important question arises. If you want to get high and watch a movie, what movie should you watch? Keep it simple. In talking both with movie fans and cannabis industry professionals, a shared opinion is that the best approach is to pick something fun and easy to follow. If I'm looking for a good movie to watch high, the number one thing is, is this movie too plotty? If so, I'm not going to enjoy it. Willie Evans, co-founder of the Kansas City Underground Film Festival, says, A mood experience is good, or something really funny, or something you can enjoy without paying attention to the story. Robert says complex movies, for example Memento or Being John Malkovich, don't play well with the shortened attention span most people experience while high. Those movies that are already built to be puzzles or over two hours, I'm going to be out on, Robert says. You always run the risk of falling asleep when you're high, especially if you're comfortable and well-fed, so you're not looking to watch overly complex epics, at least not for the first time. Tyler Mitchum works with cannabis-infused beverages at Clover, 
Kansas City's first producer of marijuana, marijuana edibles. edibles. Mitchum says he agrees that simple is the way to go, but it's also a good idea to take advantage of marijuana's enhancing abilities. It can heighten certain senses for certain individuals, Mitchum says. For me, it's sight perception, so maybe colors are a little more vivid, or action scenes are more explosive, and it can heighten your sensitivity to something like surround sound. If I were to sit down and watch a movie, I'd be using it before and during, and I'd want to enjoy the heightened form of it. It can only make a movie better. Token Recommendations With the ability of marijuana to enhance audiovisual experiences, Mitchum's recommendation for movies to watch while high makes a lot of sense. I'm a big Marvel guy. There's so much action going on in those movies, and those are great, Mitchum says. They're a little long, but they're great movies. The color is enhanced and the action is enhanced. Along those lines, while art house cinema might at first seem too ambitious to enjoy under the influence, Stray Cat Cinema's Andrew Lin says the right pick can create a memorable trip. Movies like Waking Life and Dead Man aren't heady in overly technical ways, but in a philosophical way, Lin says. If you're high, you're in a state of mind where you're open to that. Lin also recommends the 1974 Jacques Rivette film Celine and Julie Go Boating. It's like a three-hour fantasy hangout film. It's got a circular, rotational feel to it. The 1998 Coen Brothers noir-tinged comedy The Big Lebowski is, of course, a stoner classic, but it's not the only mystery-based option. Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye, Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice, and David Robert Mitchell's Under the Silver Lake all either feature prominent stoner characters or, according to fans, lend themselves well to watching high. That begs the question, what about marijuana and stoner culture works so well with this format? Lynn says the appeal likely goes back to the genre's roots. There are two threads of detective plots, one of which comes from The Thin Man, where the characters are either drunk or hungover through most of the movies. They're floating through things and reacting to the world around them, Lynn says. A detective in a film noir often has things just kind of happen to them, and they're coming to the story as an outsider. It's something they don't fully understand. The idea of trying to solve a mystery that you don't have the ability or the comprehension to understand just feels like a direct line from that film noir detective trope. Weed on Film In addition to movies with stoner characters that work well as movies to watch while getting high, Hollywood has plenty of on-screen examples of marijuana use, and cannabis culture, that both accurately depict it or get it wildly wrong. Among fans and professionals alike, one movie stands out as a sterling example. Richard Linklater's 1993 hangout film Dazed and Confused about a group of Austin, Texas teenagers on the last day of school in 1976. I think Dazed and Confused is one of the better movies of making a stoner movie that resembles real life, Mitchum says. It's more like what your average stoner crew would be like. Roberts says the movie feels like an accurate portrait of a life stage that's partially defined by marijuana use. Dazed and Confused is the embodiment of being 18 years old and discovering alcohol and marijuana and also who you are as a person, Roberts says. It's a time and a place for most people, and it works really well because there are so many different characters, and they all kind of resonate under the feeling of not knowing what to do with their lives, but they all get along because they drink and smoke. Roberts says there are also plenty of one-off examples of scenes or characters in movies that get marijuana right. There's one scene in Clueless where Cher, Alicia Silverstone's character, smokes weed, and it's like the first time we all smoked weed, Roberts says. We're all very dainty, holding the joint for the first time, thinking, am I even doing this right? It's very honest and real and funny. In terms of cannabis culture, Mitchum says he likes the 2019 Guy Ritchie film The Gentleman, in which Matthew McConaughey's character has a profitable weed empire. It took the industry very seriously on a large-scale grow basis, 
Mitchum says. It portrays my industry in a different light because it shows there are affluent people involved in it, that we're not just a bunch of hood rats. What to enjoy while you watch. Once you've decided on something to watch, the next step is finding the right product to enjoy alongside your chosen movie. Mitchum recommends staying away from options that you can consume quickly, since the goal is to enjoy a high and enjoy a movie together. The same dose of the same edible affects everyone differently, Mitchum says. You might not want to eat an edible and watch a movie and then it's done. Rather, Mitchum says, look for products you can enjoy over time. A beverage would be nice. Something you can casually enjoy while watching a movie, like an infused mocktail, Mitchum says. A beverage or flower would be my two top choices. More importantly, Mitchum notes, responsible consumption is key no matter what you're watching or what you choose to consume alongside it. Never let anyone under 21 consume cannabis products, Mitchum says. It's not a cure for any illnesses, just a treatment possibility for certain illnesses under the correct circumstances, for adults only. Today's show is brought to you by Worlds of Fun. Worlds of Fun is now accepting applications for all positions, including ride operators, lifeguards, cashiers, cooks, and bartenders, as summer is upon us. All positions come with competitive pay, paid training, and best of all, free admission. Because, yes, absolutely, I... If I worked there, I would also want to spend all of my time there. I I know I do it at my office. Free admission to the pitch is worth something. I promise you that it is. Uh, leadership positions are available. Working at Worlds of Fun means you will receive worlds of friends, worlds of flexibility, and worlds of experience. Literally, it's worlds of fun. Uh, but also, it is worlds of employment, and I imagine that many of us are looking for some of that right now, and I think that you could do a lot worse than working at the funnest place in um, America. I'm, I'm worried I'm treading on somebody else's trademark there. I don't know. Bob Iger can come find me if he's mad about it. Get a head start now on your worlds of opportunity. Apply at worldsoffun.jobs or text fun 97211. Worlds of fun. So, summer job? Absolutely look into that sounds fun see there you once you get into it it's impossible to define it by any other term it's a great name it's a flawless name folks it is time for nick's fun music corner hello i'm nick's basic music editor for the pitch here with this week's local music recommendation Per the folks at their label, Black Sight Records, given the number of years and the amount of misfortune encountered, one could be forgiven for thinking that Knife Crime's debut album, Lovely Gary, was cursed. A break-in and theft of equipment derailed the initial DIY recording attempt, then the band underwent lineup changes, followed by the pandemic kicking in right as Knife Crime finished the LP a full year ago. That said, Knife Crime's Lovely Gary, recorded by Paul Malinowski at his studio, Massive Sounds, released this Monday via the Kansas City record label cooperative Black Sight, and the first single, Kids' Excuses, features all the pop smarts demonstrated in past acts featuring Knife Crime's Byron and Brad Human, Jake Cardwell, and Jeremiah James Gonzalez. If you've loved TV50, Truck Stop Love, Reflector, or Elevator Division, you'll find something to love in this track. If you like it, the LP can be purchased at black-sight.org. And if you'd like to hear this track and all the others on Lovely Gary, the band will be playing a socially responsible outdoor show with Emmeline Twist and Dan Jones and the Squids on Friday, April 30th at Lemonade Park. In the meantime, here's Kids' Excuses.
Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Authentic Kansas City, which hosts weekly safe meetups on Saturday evenings so you can make meaningful connections. Authentic Relating is a practice described as a fast track to friendship. It's a collection of games that cultivate connection in a meaningful and deep way. On a practical level, it's a gathering with great people and fun activities built to deepen friendships. And who doesn't want more friends? I think that I'm close to good on friends, but there is space for a couple of more. I'm letting you know, if you're listening to this, if you're coming to the event, maybe we meet up, maybe maybe you're going to fill one of those last five spots. There's only space for like five more. Once we do that, I'm out of needs for friends, but like there, there is some space left and I would like more. The group gathers every week on Saturday evenings at 5.30 in Loose Park for authentic relating game nights. Authentic KC believes in creating a safe space to connect in real life because they take the issues of online isolation, loneliness, and human connection very seriously, especially after a year trapped in our homes. Pre-registration is required, so find them at AuthenticKansasCity.com or Facebook at AuthenticKCMO. Authentic Kansas City, a safe space to connect in real life. I do got to go because I do got to find out what this is like. Uh, <laughs> it seems like fun people. I've, I've enjoyed looking at the photos online. Everyone seems to be having a not terrible time. And I, I, I do yearn for that. I do. <laughs> I do want to hang out nearish to people and feel good again. That that seems nice. And I will take them up on their offer. Uh, finally, we've got our big interview for today, and coming to the show is uh, Aaron Rhodes. Uh, Aaron has written music for us for upwards of four years, I believe. Um, he has launched a brand new music zine uh, called Shuttlecock, uh, and uh, technically we're launching the physical side of it here today. Uh, the The website itself has been around for forever. Uh, there's a podcast associated with it. He's been doing some incredible work there, um, and... Uh, it's been great to see him doing so much of that, especially this last year. He used to do a lot of music coverage for us for live shows, uh, and I sort of got to meet him and then not really ever work with him again until very recently because there were no live shows. Um, so this is our uh, this is our little chatty do. Uh, here you go. Aaron Rhodes, welcome to the podcast. Would you introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, yes. Thank you for having me. My name is Aaron Rhodes. And I am the editor-in-chief of Shuttlecock Music Magazine and a frequent contributor to The Pitch. You've been with The Pitch longer than I have, uh, which is uh, neat. How long have you been with, uh, with the organization? Uh, well, I was updating my LinkedIn page the other day, Brock, and um, I saw that I first contributed to The Pitch just over four years ago. Nice. Congratulations. Yes, that is... Uh, that was impressive. Yeah, we got to meet for the first time. Uh, you do a lot of uh, live show coverage, uh, and we met uh, about a month before pandemic kicked in. So uh, the the amount of work we've gotten to do this year has been uh, significantly less than I than I would have hoped for. And uh, sounds like you'll be doing a lot of your own work now that you have your own publication, which is what we're here to talk about today. Because you are uh, physically in the process of still dropping off issues right now. Uh, tell me about Shuttlecock. Yeah, um, I started Shuttlecock um, just as a blog um, almost six years ago now, um, right after it was like the month I graduated high school. And um, I kind of intended it to be just a portfolio for my work so I could get hired somewhere else. And it did help me 
uh, get to contribute to the pitch for the first time and it helped me with some other uh, projects I've got to work on. But I didn't really realize um, how interested some people would be in it. So it kind of just gained momentum over the last several years. And I've now just released the first um, free monthly print edition of it. Now, as somebody who uh, made this horrific life decision for my own professional career, why would you also choose to enter the world of uh, physical journalism in the year of our Lord 2021? Um, well, it's funny. I kind of some like I'd always been interested, interested in doing something like this, but I did kind of just stumble into it um, with the, the print edition. Like I was talking to a local business owner. Um, who said he was interested in sponsoring a project like this. And he was a fan of the blog and the podcast. And um, I told him I would look into it and like figure out some pricing and stuff. And for a weird kind of reason, he ended up not being involved with it. But once I figured out um, how relatively inexpensive it is to print a black and white magazine, I was like, oh, that's an easy amount of money to raise. I can hit up these record stores, these other local businesses and try to put something cool together. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not a large, hugely profitable thing as I'm sure you, you realize, but um, it's, it's been a fun process so far. And I think it's going to help really expand um, the, the, mag, the, the online following as well as just exposing people to local music that otherwise may not come across it. I'm excited about it because I grew up with local black and white punk rock zines and like uh, been for a decade or so, haven't seen one uh, because not a lot of people are getting into that field at this point. So yeah, you're, you're, you're broaching several uh, forms of writing here that like uh, you're, you're really filling some, some niche gaps for uh, the Lawrence and Kansas City music scene. So that's exciting to have. Um, where are you hoping it goes from here? Like you're, you're at issue one. How do you hope it grows? What, what are your plans for the future? Um, well, I, you know, I, kinda, I made sure to get uh, my friend Claire who did all the design and layout work. I made sure that she was able to get paid from the jump. I have a, a friend who helped me with the, the kind of business management side of it. I'm make, making sure to get him paid. So really... The only step from here is to start getting myself paid. So I just need to find some <laughs> different, find some different ways to monetize stuff. And so hopefully, you know, the goal is to be able to have this as like a full-time gig for myself where I don't have to like get a, a day job or whatever. And uh, I'm fairly confident that might happen. Think things are going smoothly so far, smoothly enough. I don't know. I, I, I too know the impetus to be like, what if we paid absolutely everyone before myself? Yeah. Uh, so that, and it's, um, it's kind of like you, you have to like money really does just kind of move things along. It motivates people like, cause people are like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to write for you for free or do this thing for free. But it's like, you can't push someone to hurry up when they're doing something for free. And you have to kind of hurry up a little bit to make a monthly physical magazine. It is hard to get people to do that when you're like, this is my dream job for what I will do full time. 
and you, yeah, I, I understand what that is. What is it about uh, your local music scene that you think uh, makes it stand apart from anywhere else in the country right now? Um, I've been thinking about this a little bit lately because I, I did a scene report in the first issue. I, I called up my friend Will from Columbia, Missouri, and I was asking them, like, oh, what, what makes Columbia's scene different from other punk scenes across America. And so I kind of was thinking about that myself with Kansas City. And I think the correct answer for that is that I don't really know because (laughs) I have not participated in enough other scenes or like done enough traveling to really have that figured out. But what I do know is that um, I love a lot of uh, musicians from the Kansas City area and I want them to be as successful and popular as possible and I think uh, putting them in my z- magazine is a step towards that. I, I suppose there is a good answer in that there's nothing different about our scene in the punk world because it is hopeful that like all punk scenes would provide much of the same thing that you have the positivity, the activism, and enough bands to cover all the genre spectrum. So, yeah, that's okay. It's maybe that's a bad question moving forward. For me. No, that's that's a that's a fine question. Uh, who are you most excited about in the scene? Who are the who are the musicians that you're just like, I I'm here for whatever they do. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I could you know talk my favorite local musicians all day, and I I know I'm gonna leave plenty of people out right now, but. Uh, the first, the first issue is. You sound like you're at an award show and you're like, I wasn't expecting it. I, I'm going to leave people out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to happen. Uh, but the first issue, as you can see here, if you're watching the video, is Maul and Tom Richmond. Um, they were both part of this kind of crew called Team Bear Club, uh, which was active in the Lawrence and Casey area in kind of the early 2010s and the, the late 2000s, um, and. They, Maul and Tom Richmond just put out their new album called Grass last month. And that's the, the first cover story. And it's a really cool kind of organic instrumentation take on like modern hip hop and R&B and pop. So of course, I'm very excited for this first cover story. And, but as far as other local acts I'm excited about, um, Spine has been Kansas City's like biggest toughest hardcore band for five, 10 years now. And uh, they're working on new material that are, their record from last year was great. Uh, Lost Prevention is another local KC punk band that I've been very excited about. They put out their first seven inch last year. I wrote about a few of these, as you may remember, yeah. <laughs> um, in a, a roundup for the pitch blog uh, back in December or January. And yeah. Yep, fairly certain that one ran in January as a wrap-up of all the best hardcore from 2020. And yeah, uh, I'm not going to ask you the question of like, what happened to music during COVID? Like, uh, who who did interesting things? I, I think the, the better question at this point is like, as as things open up and as everyone gets vaccinated, what do you see as being like the ramp up back into live music? Like, are are people going to be willing to come out faster than we would have expected? Are, are, are we going to be seeing outdoor festivals again anytime soon? What venues do you think are, are going to be able to pull this off safely? 
Yeah, of course. I've been I've been having these kind of conversations for a while now and kind of wondering myself. Um, but of course, I think, you know, there's Lemonade Park in, in the West Bottoms. They're having a lot of cool, responsible outdoor shows uh, this spring and summer. And I intend on going out to a few of those. Um, but it is kind of funny because like maybe like, you know, before the pandemic, maybe like half of the shows I were going to I was going to were like DIY spots and like house shows and stuff. And it's kind of going to be a tricky situation, I think, because a lot of people in the in the punk scene and stuff are very like kind of activist minded, you know, and they're like, oh, we we need to be safe about this. And like, so I think it's going to be this weird kind of game of chicken where like there will be a lot of people who want to go back to shows pretty soon, these DIY shows, but like people might be too afraid to actually book them because they don't want this like social media backlash. And so, yeah, it's going to be a weird kind of situation for that. We have really built up the thing over the last year of like, as people try to do it, it's like you, you're being assholes. Like you're, you're, there's no way to enforce distancing in, in a, in a concert space. Like, yeah. So I, as, as, as that starts to ramp up, I, I too worry about that because the wife and I, are, I have been double vaccinated for a while now. Like I went to a movie theater for the first time in a year and a half the other day. And I'm like, okay, there, there are some things that are okay. I'm still in a mask and nowhere near anybody. But like, yeah, I, I, I do worry about the first few months of concerts, especially because there will be responsible people that are out there with non-responsible people and i'm sure that that's going to create some tensions yeah and i'm not i'm not like personally i'm not going to be judging anyone who wants to get back to it as long as they're not being like outrageously like irresponsible about it you know and it's kind of like do do i want to be in a spot where like i'm checking vaccine cards at the door or like stuff like that that all gets kind of weird and sketchy to me it, it, it like, does people, and is also unenforceable and yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like oh like what's the alternative we like listen to everything the government tells us like i'm also not on that boat even though like most of the info is just fine but it's kind of like yeah like how how punk rock is that right <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. It, it's 2021. Maybe listening to the government about everything is the most punk thing you can do. <laughs> I don't. We've we've gone through the looking glass. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I, I if if you would have told high school me that like a bunch of people were gonna bum rush the Capitol, I would have been like, "That's punk rock, right?" And it's like, "Well, hang on. There's some context for this, and it's not very <laughs> punk rock." So yeah, no. People are getting upset about like it was funny because yeah, like fuck like uh ariel pink and john mouse were were there and i'm like personally if i lived in washington i know they like traveled there but like if i was in the area i would have wanted to go watch that that would have been fun to watch (laughs) (laughs) as someone that digs like sketchy stuff i love watching sketchy stuff that's why i love going to rock fest and i would have possibly gone to rock fest if they had it this year uh last question here uh what what what's your favorite local album from last year Mm, um it's pretty close i think maybe my top two were the ebony tusks lp heal thyself long-awaited amazing 
experimental amazing record <laughs> and then also a good contender would have been false brothers uncanny valley which came out on iron lung records uh i put them in that that roundup article and yeah they're just like the best local post-punk band that i've known of in the last five ten years and that that all that album rocks well, fantastic. Where can people find Shuttlecock, uh, either in the world or, or for listeners uh, online? Uh, yeah, the website is shuttlecockmusic.com. You can follow at shuttlecockmag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to pick up the, the magazine, um, if you go to the website, uh, there is a list of uh, locations where I've dropped it off. But you can also order it from the web store on Big Cartel if you need it shipped, if you don't like live in the, the area. Fantastic. I will let you get back to distributing your first issue. Welcome to the world of, uh, of running a publication. I hope it goes well. <laughs> Thank you. It feels great. And continue looking forward to running your stuff on the pitch. I Have a great day. You too. And that's been Streetwise, the podcast extension of The Pitch from Kansas City. Thank you guys so much for listening. I have been Brock Wilbur. Thank you to everybody that came out and did the scavenger hunt last weekend. Oh my God, that was fun. We got to see all of your photos from it. Uh, Just incredible. We just picked the winning team and cut them a check today. Uh, They had had so many points. They got so many points. They went to absolutely everywhere. They just, uh, they really put their heart and soul into it. And uh, wow, so happy for them. And they look so happy, which I can gauge only by eyes because everyone was wearing masks uh, despite being outside and stuff. Uh, Yeah, so it's just a lot of hair and eyes that I'm reading as the emotion of being thrilled about being a part of this. Uh, Anyway, we are doing uh, incredible coverage of news every day of the week at thepitchkc.com. Check out all the other shows on the Pitch Podcast Network. Uh, We are adding more all of the time, this has grown into something of a behemoth after uh, this show being the Lone Ranger for quite some time. So uh, check out everybody else that we've got uh, coming on. KC Top 5 is a personal favorite with uh, Patrick Moore. Uh, go uh, go check those out from him. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Pitch in and we'll make it through. Doodles. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.